Today's podcast is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast, providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. We recently joined as a member and you can too. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at P-O-D-G-O dot C-O. Don't forget to add the two-on-one podcast in the how did you hear about Podgo section of your application. Now get ready for the rest of the episode. Guys, we're back. Yeah. I thought, I thought, so I thought oh, Daniel was going to go first. Time. I thought Daniel was going to go first. Yeah. So we, I, I said Super Bowl, but Adam said it as well. Yeah. So it is Super Bowl Sunday. Anymore. Super Bowl. This Are you guys excited? Kind of. I mean, yeah, like I'm interested to see what commercials they play. I can't wait to see the next trailer for this big blockbuster movie be played tonight. You know what the fuck? I can't wait to watch I it wonder on, which like, movie on Netflix is. or something. <laughs> yeah. I know. I can't believe Robin Hood's doing commercial. The audacity. I'm Sorry. hoping to see a Book of Boba Fett trailer or something like that. That could probably come out. I don't know. Maybe a new trailer for Godzilla King of the Monsters, even though we just got one. I don't like. We'll find sure. out. Yeah, I'm excited to see it. That's really about it. Um, I had it a little later, but I might as well ask you guys now before we get into the hockey, who are your picks? And uh, by the way, I'm going with the Chiefs. Daniel. Daniel, you go. Yeah. You know, I'm kind of split on this. Oh, my because... God. There's two teams. <laughs> yeah, so I've got to split Okay, on Daniel, this, who's so... your honorable mention outside of these two teams? Just so we can, <laughs> there's uh... no honorable mention. There's, <laughs> just... there's the MVP, but... Yeah, there's there's conditions here. Um, oh, great! I, I sometimes I don't really agree with Tom Brady's political moves with things, but you, you know you got to feel for the guy. He was a sixth round pick mentality kind of guy. So I don't feel bad for him. He's a I don't millionaire. Know. Yeah, I don't. No, feel I mean, bad like for him. you got to love that. Like you know, he is. Oh, yeah, you know, when we think of the Henrik Lundqvist and the Henrik Zetterbergs, we think of Tom Brady. I but on the do. on the flip side, the Bucks are like not the Bucks, the Chiefs are. And you know this is coming from a non-football fan, so all I can see is like you know they're built from the draft and they're built from youth, so it'll be fun. Alex, okay, um, sim. I mean, listen, you're at, you're asking someone who knows very minimal, has a no knowledge of football, but my understanding is you try not to bet against. Tom Brady, just like you don't bet against Sidney Crosby. So I'm going to go with the Bucks. I think you Buccaneers. have, to have some, some respect for the reigning defending um, I'm said cup champs. You got to have some respect for the reigning defending champions. Yes, yes. And it's Mahomes' time. That's all I'm going to say. I don't like how Brady looked versus Green Bay, but Green Bay sort of wow. Dion, sort of blew look it at, themselves there. He look, did. He had three picks and Green at, Bay could do Look at this football wow. analysis. Listen, I don't know a ton about it, but what I know is you don't get those many turnovers from blow, Brady blowing it and then, like, punt the ball. Go for it, you fools. I mean, like, even, you know, it's not – listen, I'm no football guy, but, I, again, I like Mahomes. I like the shampoo commercials he's in. Seems like a great guy. Let's go. Based on what you just said, you are now the resident football expert on this show. Yeah. I'll take it. Also, I don't want Antonio Brown to win, so. It's that okay. simple. It's that that simple. Okay. I just want both teams to have fun. 
Yeah, sure. Just hope it's a good game. I'm looking forward. Normally, I don't care about the halftime show, but I don't know, like the weekend. Good old Canadian kid. Mm-hmm. Apparently, spend his own money. Should be fun to look at. Scarborough, Ontario boy. Is he from Scarborough? Yeah. That's cool. Like Wayne Simmons. Yeah. Yeah, you you mentioned it. You mentioned it. Um, I guess we can't say that. Um, News of the day around the NHL, and we'll get more into the Leafs and their games, their slaughters of the Vancouver Canucks a little later. Same with Montreal and the Sens having a little two-game series. Um, Elliot Freeman reporting that he's hearing that Wayne Simmons might be out for six weeks after blocking, I believe, was an Alex Edler shot in last night's game. The Leafs themselves, as far as I've seen, have not confirmed anything yet, neither from Simmons himself or the agent, even though they normally wouldn't say, but you never know. Right. We're covering all our bases here. Normally yeah. it's from the team, rarely from the agent, but we're just covering. But Elliot is pretty well sourced. Is he, is he well sourced? I, 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 heard, so. I hear <laughs> I've heard Is that what sources people. have told you? Listen, he, he liked my shoes that one time, so. He's credible, you know. Yeah. Yeah, nothing. To Did do you know it was on though? Numerous breaks. It's on. <laughs> Alex, <laughs> Alex, Alex, quit clowning around. It's on. Oh. Um, but oh. you know, guys, I tweeted out that, it, and I was watching the game last night. Luckily, because they had spaced out Montreal at one, the Leafs eventually at seven, and then you know, Battle of Alberta at ten. Three fantastic hockey games. So I got to tune in, and I am just—I was thinking to myself last night. Oh boy. This is not the Wayne Simmons I expected to see. This is, it feels like we're watching Wayne Simmons back in his Philadelphia days. I don't know if you guys are feeling that, but Alex, I want to get your reaction first to the news. And um, yeah, it just sucks, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's, again, another injury. I feel like it's not allowed to have nice things in the city. Broken roads, TTCs never works, and injuries. Um, But this it is it is a significant injury for a couple reasons um number one like he's not a point producer right so uh not he's not a big point producer like you don't expect him to produce the 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 points that you expect of the other guys on this team but i think he brings something to this team that a lot of other guys don't but i think you're starting to see it rub off on Matthews, on Marner, on on Tavares. Well, Tavares is the exception there, but it's starting to rub off on these other guys, and I think that's what's really important for him to be out six weeks. I don't think if the same and the same thing goes with Joe Thorne. His the full effect that he can rub off on these guys won't happen unless he's on the ice as well. So I think him being still being with the team and. And, and stuff like that, it will, it, the, his mentality will rub off on them, but not the same way that it would if he was on the ice too. Mm-hmm. Um, Daniel, it's, there has been that off ice stuff that what's he made this signing even better is, and he had a pretty damn good goal last night. Wayne Simmons on top of all this is scoring goals or was scoring goals, unfortunately. Yeah, and I think that's the unfortunate thing. Like you mentioned, I, he was an all-star with the Flyers for that one year. And to see him to kind of come out like that and become, a, you know, you know, turning back the clock a bit, I, I really liked it. I liked the signing since the beginning. I liked what he brought to the team. And I kind of think that with that whole readjusted culture we've talked about, about 
you know, accountability of, you know, playing with a bit more toughness and more grit, it's really translated not just from his play, but from what we've seen in the lineup. Like one thing, and, you know, this is just from what I see on the ice, a lot of the skilled guys in the top are playing with a bit more comfort now. They're playing with a bit more, you know, doing their own thing that maybe there's that factor in there that, you know, he's not like an explicit enforcer, but he's also someone that could still play in all all situations that he's been put in. So it's unfortunate. And again, like short season, that six weeks is going to feel like a long time. And mm-hmm. I really hope, you know, he gets up to speed once he's able to get back into the lineup. I, I think the thing that, that a lot of people are, are including us too, to a certain extent missed is the fact that he, he did not play for almost a full calendar year. 10 months he went without playing. The league shut down on March uh, 13th or around then. And obviously uh, Buffalo wasn't invited to. Yes. Uh, do you remember he was on the Buffalo Sabres? Because I forgot. I actually I was just thought thinking they could have used him right now for that long. <laughs> Right, I for- so sorry, I forgot the carousel of teams because right what was it? it was Philadelphia, Nashville, New Jersey, Buffalo, yeah, Nashville, yeah, and he, and obviously Buffalo weren't invited to the bubble, so he, so he didn't play for a full calendar year, and I think it allowed him. I think he always had these lingering injuries, and I think a lot of a lot of players have them as well. Um, not just Simmons. And I think what this break allowed him to do was actually fully recover. And considering the, the, what the Leafs training facilities have, whether it's medical staff or even just development, I think this was the best case scenario for him. The same went with Tyler Ennis. And I think the same went with Jason Spezza. Mm-hmm. You know, and it especially helps Simmons time off because of his physical play. Um, that's mm-hmm. what makes Wayne Simmons special. And man, 10 months, you can, I wish it was happening with Eric Carlson, but um, at least it's working for one guy around the league. And uh, a memory I will always have of Wayne Simmons is um, he's not dead, but um, yeah, I, I was going to say, I think it was his last game in Philly <laughs> and uh, before the deadline. And Claude Giroux had a moment with him on the ice where it was like, you know what, we're going to miss you, man. Because they knew, and he's uh, he's that important to a locker room. Um, we'll revisit the Leafs in a little later here. First off, actually, no, actually, they're in the news a lot here. Uh, first, the Rangers. Now the Leafs are getting involved with the PWHPA. It's so difficult to say. Um, announcing a formal partnership with both teams. Amongst other details, the Rangers and the Leafs will host games for the PA's 2021 Dream Gap Tour. Another step in the right direction for women's hockey. And for we, of course, know the NWHL's um, season at Lake Placid got canceled, but at least on the same breath, we can also look at the PWHPA and see um, and see Alex that the women's game is taking more steps forward. Yeah, I think we had the this discussion next week, uh, last week, sorry, in what's next for the women's game, and I think that it actually we had this discussion before the Rangers announced their partnership, mm-hmm. um, and what a coincidence because I think them. I think the end goal, and we've had this discussion before, is the NHL, they want the NHL to be involved in somewhat, right? The way that the NBA and the WNBA work in in a way. 
and the fact that they're part there's teams who are willing to partner with the PWHPA is a is a is a good sign. Yes. Daniel. Yeah, I I really like it. I know that it's going to showcase a lot more of the talent. You know, they consider like to be 125 of the best player women players in the world and you know, big things another big market is going to support this that now you're going to have these these teams play in New York, play in Toronto and you know what what you know what other cities than these to really showcase that talent to showcase that you know we can grow this uh we can grow this fan base we can grow this exposure so you know it's just another step in the right direction especially from what we were talking about the last two episodes about where everything is going to go like it it gives a good amount of stability here on this topic i just wanted to throw this thought out there before we moved on i They've been saying, I think the end goal obviously was to bring the NHL as a whole and to get them involved. I don't know if I necessarily see that as a reality, considering the the state of current at some of the NHL teams. Like we, we know which teams are the big dogs and we know the rest of the teams are not very good financially. So, Mm -hmm. but what I can see and, like I have no idea if this is something that they would even entertain, but it was just a thought that came to my head is if, you know, some of these bigger teams want to get together and support women's hockey, why can't they help them like them in those individual teams? Let's say Toronto, the uh, the Rangers, Montreal, Boston, et cetera, get involved and help develop this league. Like, it may, is that at all a possibility? Because I don't see the NHL saying, Hey, uh, you know, half of our teams can barely stay afloat at the moment. I don't know if we can personally get involved and and spend spend the money on that at the moment. There's precedent in the past for it. I mean, I, I think back to the Canadians had a very very good relationship with the CWHL team, um, the Montreal Canadiens, right? Like, you know, I, I, even at one point before this league shut down, you know, they were they were playing games at the Laval Rocket Arena. Right, they had a very, very good relationship. Um, you know, you go to a Habs game, and you know, you would see like these video packages of like them doing training drills for fans and all that. So I would see it, and I mean, and that was even that was a few years ago. Yeah, even. that was before obviously the league shut down. So I can see it happening. It's just, I wonder if this is very much. An, I wonder if the league itself will be like, all right, if you teams want to do it. Go ahead. But I, I wonder if the league itself, the HQ in New York, are hesitant for them themselves to sort of take a step in. Because if I remember correctly, the word was they didn't want to pick a side. Because right. if the NHL really kind of, if the NHL, Daniel, went, you know, takes the side of one league, and let's just for the sake of it, because we've hit, we have C teams partnering with them, let's say they throw their hat in with a PWHPA. Then what sort of chances the NWHL, yeah, the NWHL have if the other leagues have the big dogs on them? Yeah, um, this is what I've also seen, like the WNBA, where it's all about, you know, that partnership. It's all about that exposure. That that's how things kind of grow. That would have been kind of this and them kind of thing, where you're gonna have the fans that are gonna go, okay, I'm gonna support this, but that 
you know, not every fan is going to be someone that's going to, you know, go out and look for this. This is going to become something where it's just, let's just see what's on TV. Cause like, let's see what is getting the most like exposure out of this. Because like at the end of the day, what we've talked about too is because there are a lot of diehard, you know, ho- like female, like, like female mm-hmm. hockey fans. Uh, there are a lot of like diehard, like fans all around that love like women's hockey. And, yeah. but the thing about it is, for it to grow is that you need to attract more of like that bigger market more of like those fans that you know they're quote-unquote like not casual fans but the ones that you know like they want an they want an entry point to this so if you're looking at from like that point like it's it's something that i kind of and this is this is you could i could be wrong about this but you know the shl and the khl are both pro leagues but you know you and i don't watch it because we don't have that on tv or we don't have that exposure to it that we, we you still need like that marketing for it mm-hmm. and just just to go back on what we were saying before i i just i can't see the nhl and i i don't think it has anything i think they want to get into this like I, I really do think the NHL wants to get involved in women's hockey because I think it would be to their benefit. At the the at the end, like it would business wise, I think it would be to their benefit. But at the moment, like we were, we're having we were having discussions a couple months ago that the cap might not move for five years, mm-hmm. and like this isn't the starting getting involved in starting a league is not a cheap thing, right? Like it's not, here's a couple bucks come and, and let's see how it goes. Like this is, it's an expensive thing. That's why I can see individual teams getting involved like the Rangers and, and the Leafs, but the league as a whole, when half your teams are, are just having major trouble to me, it's more concerning when I found out that, there were teams that were going to lose more money doing nothing. You also have to ask, okay, who's going to buy the teams? Because the CWHL owned a lot of their own teams. And that's why they just sort of disintegrated when the league went under. Who is going to support those teams? Because I don't think the NHL themselves are going to be willing to spend the money to sort of bring those old teams in or even to create and support new ones. Or, you know, that... That's a question I very much have too. Yeah. It's just, if there was any sort of, like the timing is just so terrible. Like you want to find people who are, who are dedicated to making sure that this works. Yeah. Like the, like I think one of the, the, the worst thing that could happen is that you just get a rotating cast of owners and it's just like sell, sell. Like I feel like sometimes that happens in the in the CHL, and that there's just kind of a rotating cast of owners with certain teams, and it's just never stable. Mm-hmm. And I think when that happens, it's just not necessarily great for business. Mm-hmm. All right, um, are we good to move on then, lads? I yep. think so. Okay, excellent. Okay, the North Division player. It's been so fun. It's been so, so fun. You know, we were talking a little bit about Detroit before the podcast started here, and I was thinking, oh, I don't even know what's up in Detroit. I still don't know what's up in the rest of the league because the North Division has been just been so all-consuming. Pierre LeBron had a good little thread on Twitter about it if people want to check it out. 
did he freeze for you, Daniel? Yeah, he froze for me. Wow. This is a first. I'm yeah. going to pause it. Yeah, here we go. Round one of ten. What? All this great stuff. Sorry, I, I hope you know you cut out for like 30 seconds. Oh, did I? Yeah. Can you hear me more now? We can hear you perfectly fine yeah. now. You just cut out oh, for 30 seconds. What, did you, what was the last thing I said? Um, something about I haven't seen anything in the other divisions. Yeah. Uh, oh, pure, okay. It was the Pierre Lebrun tweet. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Check out Pierre Lebrun for talking yeah. about that. Anyway, um, the two sort of three-game stints, little series that teams are having, especially in the North Division, is just it's so fun. It seems to be players really, really enjoy them. And listen, I don't want to ask you guys if the North Division is going to stay a thing because – um, not Trevor Daly, Bill Daly, deputy commissioner of, of the NHL, already said it's not going to happen. Batman would hate it. It's not going to happen. But I do wonder if they do alter the schedule in, in a few years to sort of allow for more Canadian matchups, if, or, or even if they do for certain teams, like you've got Leafs or Montreal going into Boston or Montreal Canadians and them themselves do these more series type of type of matchups because i think it would do wonders for tv ratings um if if the league goes through with it i think it would benefit them in multiple ways number one travel like we like that's the whole thing i believe it was um couture who first talked about it i don't remember the recent player who talked about it but basically saying like you know, the travel, traveling from city to city to, to city, especially let's say a team like uh, San Jose, who probably has one of the worst travel schedules, is difficult, is hard on the body. Mm-hmm. And, and for them to be able to push it out the way they have this year, I think it benefits the players. Mm-hmm. It benefits, like you said, the TV ratings because it's, like, hey, man, like if Boston and let's say Montreal are playing and they're playing Monday and then they play again Wednesday. And then let's say they play again Friday. Like mm-hmm. that's the those last two games are going to be in like really good because I think it'll keep guys coming back, especially if those teams are good, especially if those teams are good and it gets a little bit gritty. And I think it will get gritty, right? Like look at what happens over a progression of a playoff series from games one to game seven. It gets their, their, their guys are on, on edge. They want to beat the crap out of each other by the end of it. Right. So I think it bent, I think that's the benefit there. I, I really do think that if, if they move forward, forward with this, it would do wonders if they kept, the Canadian division. I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. I know they won't, but uh, Daniel. Yeah, even if they don't keep the division, I like that they'll stay in the city for you know two games because you know everything with the travel it kind of reduces everything. You know, players stay a bit more fresh and honestly, too. Like when it comes to certain rivalries or well, the thing I talked about about you know attracting new fans where you know they want that sense of familiarity. You know, why not have like these two battles going on with these guys, uh, with these, not these guys, with these two teams? For example, like, like when I, like, I remember um, it was Eric Stevens who said that, you know, if you don't live in like central California, um, no one cares about the Kings and Ducks um, rivalry because, you know, they play like once and then 
they go off later on. Like I think that's like another potential thing that they can grow. And even from just pl- watching the games as well, what Alex said about the rivalries that, you know, these guys want to go up against each other. And I think from the managerial standpoint too, that if you're going to go like to a back-to-back, you know, as a coach, you have to think about, you know, a hypothetical thing, like who are my healthy scratches? Who's going to actually like slot into the lineup if I want to, you know, try something new this time, you know, maybe get the victory or, you know, fix some things that I didn't like the night before. I think that's something that's really effective. And I know it happens in the baseball schedule because of the length of the season, but it it's worked wonders. Like in my opinion, it's been fun even from the coach perspective that you'll look at these different matchups or, you know, these on the fly changes because you know that the next game you could slot someone else in. Mm-hmm. Just, oh. Uh, never mind. It's okay. Go. I'll bring it up later. Um, okay. Uh, any, I think, oh yeah, yeah. So there was something I was, I was thinking about this last night. Is the North Division actually good? No. Like I was thinking like, okay, right. No. <laughs> okay. Let's think about it like this. I have the worst feeling that whoever comes out of this division and goes to the Eastern Conference Finals I'm terrified they're going to go up against the Capitals or a Pens and just get ruined. And it was just, it was so much excitement, but then they go up against a real team because this entire division is really just a bunch of unproven wet sponges, to be honest. Like they, they could surprise. I mean, but like, I just have this horrible feeling that there's just mist around this division and it's just there, there's going to be a rude awakening. If we uh, when we get to the sort of the later rounds of the playoffs, is Braden Holtby the poster boy of the safe percentage of this division? I know, okay, man. What are you talking about? No, because man. there's it's two a- there's two goalies above nine hundred in this division. Yeah, <laughs> two, Hellebuck, and I have to find out the second one. I would feel I feel like Jake Allen's up there. He was at nine thirty before. Starting, this- starting, starting, starting. Okay. Yeah, let me find the let me find it. But it's. <laughs> Is like say pressure is like what at point eight three nine right now? Sorry, who? Uh, Braden Holtby. I I'd be surprised if it was that much. But yeah, again, like I, I remember looking at that. Like they were looking at the save percentages last night on Hockey Night in Canada, and the North Division is the only one that's a like, below nine hundred. Price is at eight nine nine, for example. It's not fantastic. I just I I, I seriously I do worry about it. Now, obviously, those first two rounds are going to be amazing. But I'm, I'm just kind of, it's something I'm thinking about. And I was like, yeah, but. It's been fun for like fantasy team owners because there've been so many goals. Honestly, man, whoever wins the president's trophy, it doesn't count this year. Like even more <laughs> than it doesn't. Like scoring titles too. It, sorry. It's so all over the place this year. I think we just have to like ignore it. Like if we look back at this season, like, cause it's just too, like there, there's, there's just going to be some guys like Tyler Toffoli could score 40 goals. And I'd be like, yeah, but the Canucks, that's why. And like, I look at what Montreal and, and Toronto are doing, and I'm, I'm just – I feel like there are certainly players on both teams that like – there are definitely some inflations here because of the, like, the level of teams, especially here in the North Division, with the just – and you brought it up there, Daniel, with the save percentage. It just feels like – I don't know, like, if, is PDO just going to be a mess? Like, I just, I feel like looking at the end of this season, like, sort of the statistical, like, breakdown of division by division, I feel like is going to be, you can write a book about it. I don't know how many people are going to read it, but I would. I so, 
there's two goalies in the North Division who are above 900. First, obviously, Connor Hellebuck, 913. Mm-hmm. Jacob Markstrom, 914. Anderson, 896. Price, 899. Koskinen, 889. Holt, uh, Holtby, 888. Matt Murray, 875. Okay. I just want to point out that Carey Price is the third best starter in the <laughs> How the hell is Markstrom that high? Good for him. Yeah. He's a good goalie. He is. That's incredible. It's it's more of a stable roster, I think, like on the back end. Yeah, that's fair. But then yeah, but then the Hellebuck and Winnipeg's like ah. Well, that's just different. He's just, he just that's carry. He did it last year too, <laughs> yeah. which this is just continuing on. Yeah. The, um, oh, I remember what I was gonna say. Yeah. Um, sorry. Just something about the back to the uh, staying in the same city two to three games. I I, rem- I remember hearing Brian Burke saying something about from the season ticket holders' perspective, are they gonna like seeing the same team at home two three times in a row? And but if it's just a random team, I don't think it matters because in Toronto. In Montreal, in Vancouver, in New York, in the Rangers, the guys going who have season tickets, even upper bowl guys, even in Toronto as well, they're not going to watch 41 home games. They're not. It's just the reality. Like most guys are selling off their tickets. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't think it necessarily matters. I'll speak for this. Have season ticket holder here. Right. Yeah, I would go see two out of three gate, like three out of three, no matter what it gets me, David. Hell, I'd go watch the Sens if I needed to. Those are fun games. Of course I'd go. Hell, if it, if it was like the Panthers, I'd still go. Again, it works for baseball, just saying. You yeah. Know, they make a lot more money. Like, Jesus, of course Good I would. Point. Like, yeah. Man, you know how badly I'm itching to get into the arena and watch hockey? Like, especially, like, uh, yeah. after this year, people are going to be so – like, just, like, hungry to get in there. Uh, absolutely hungry for wild. a Calgary Leafs game. Especially Montreal and Toronto. They're just so <clears throat> hockey nuts. You can fill yeah. it every night. Just I, it wouldn't I, be a problem. He's being a bit that, – that's not even a question. I don't think he – I don't think the point was from Montreal. Like, of course, I'd go watch 10 games in a row of Montreal and Toronto. Like, I think – But they're the only teams who sell season tickets. That is true. That is true. But I think if when Florida comes, when Florida, when Chicago, this year Chicago, comes to Toronto, I, I, it's not going to be difficult to go, watch, to go sell these tickets. I just don't think it matters if this, if, because they're not going to pl- watch 41 home games. I know people with leaf season tickets in the upper bowl, they're not going to watch 41 home games. Mm-hmm. They're selling their tickets. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I say we, we go on now. We can add Colorado to a list of many teams that are having games postponed um, because COVID is just hitting everyone over the head like a two by four in a horror film. Um, you can talk about head coach of the Buffalo Sabres, Ralph Kruger there. And in that scenario, guys, um, and for the sake of this argument, let's say that the Olympics happen. 
Is there a reality? Because if they don't happen, I'm pretty sure we can have a 56 game season. I don't think that's a question. But if if they do happen, and there is still that July deadline for the NHL, um, do we have a real reality here of having a 50 game season for every single team, with the way everything's going? Um, I think it's going to be on a division basis because they're only playing their own division. I don't think it matters if the North division plays 56 games and the East division plays 48 because of COVID. I think the players are going to complain, obviously, like rightfully so, right? Like what they're playing 56 games and we're playing 48 or whatever the case is. I think they're going to complain, but I feel like, you know, it can be done. Like I think it's going to be on a division by division basis because how do you explain to Sportsnet in Canada that you're taking off, you're removing, or TSN, you're removing games from North Division schedule, from mm-hmm. the North team's schedule, despite them having no issues with COVID? Hopefully mm-hmm. that's the case, knock on wood. <laughs> right. I knocked on the table. Have you knocked on any wood there, Daniel? Do you have a desk or something? Well, if that happens, it's all Daniel's fault. Um, nah, I got you on this, Dan. Find the studs in the wall. Just <clears throat> yes. knock on the knock Foundation. on the wall. But yeah, um, it's going to be interesting because, it's, and this is this is a weird argument for me because if you asked me this as a kid, I'm like, yeah, for sure, the Olympics, like that's one of the biggest things for hockey, for in my opinion. And now I, I just kind of wonder. Ones, by the way, pardon the summer ones, the ones this summer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. My apologies. Because I was thinking of like next. No. But yeah. Um. You know, it, it's still that possibility of, is whether or not the summer ones are going to happen because Japan right now are kind of like not giving a full answer <laughs> about what they're going to actually do. And given the amount of like amount of sports and like the ones that they have to do, like I don't know how you would do like a hybrid bubble in a way for that, like you asked everyone to come in like two months before, but the way that that might affect the NHL is, I don't know. It's just, again, it's a weird predicament. I think this has been the theme of the episode so far has been the money has been like, mm-hmm. has been, you know, whether or not this is things going to air. And I, I personally like would have to go on that side of, I don't want games to be canceled. I don't want, I don't want games to be, you know, completely erased because I know what the NBA, what they're doing is, and they're making jokes about it because it's going to happen where like there were some games that were postponed and they had like those ones, they were the back-to-backs that you're going to see like three straight games of the same team, like to finish off the season. And I don't know, maybe at that point where there'll be those games that won't really determine a playoff spot or anything. There'll be those games where, and this happens a lot in baseball, um, you're just going to see the taxi squad. (laughs) play a whole bunch of games because yeah. you're just prepping for the playoffs. So like maybe that will be another solution. Well, they're still finish off the games that have been postponed, but you'll see a lot more AHL like taxi squad faces. I wonder, imagine that the North division sort of gets hit here and it's the last spot is between Calgary and, and, uh, and Edmonton. And let's just see a bunch of their games get delayed and it's a three game battle of Alberta to make up the end of the season and just how fun that would be. 
it would be the most watched hockey game. Yeah, that NHL or, game, yeah. NHL yeah. game. Yeah. Not, that or it's San Jose, Arizona fighting for. <laughs> oh, oh dear! Oh my! Arizona <laughs> somehow comes back to find its way through the playoffs again. It, it'll definitely be interesting to see how they deal with it. And just to point out, please don't try an All Star game, please. Like the NBA no. is. The, yeah. the thing with the, and we've had this discussion. I think the thing with the All Star game is, especially in the NHL, is it's fun for the people who are sitting in the stands. Like, when was the last time you actually enjoyed watching an NHL All Star game? It's been a while. Two thousand ten. The hardest shot, and that's it. And that's because Weber Weber's in there. No, I just or just I in like general. That. Yeah, in general, oh, okay. liked it in general. Okay, so you like the what that one competition, and that's it, right? They got right. rid of the shootout competition because it was fun. Yeah, I like the draft. I like the draft. That one was fun. And they got rid of that. They too. got rid that of that fun. too. They, they got rid of every fun thing about the All Star game. They traded Phil Kessel for Tyler Sagan again. They <laughs> that, was, like, that, that was great. That was, they oh, they picked car. Yeah, right. So I like just please, please don't do it. I beg yeah. you. It's like another money thing because, like, I remember yeah. the NBA too. They're losing a bit of money, and it's crazy. Like LeBron James even said, "Like, yeah, this is that 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 be that would be stupid, right? Like, no, that's like a super spreader right there." LeBron's the man. I love him. He just isn't afraid to say anything. Forget you know who's not afraid to speak his mind. Paul Maurice vehemently defended Blake Wheeler. After you know, there was a because he heard our episode. Game. Kyle Connor didn't have a great back check, and Blake Wheeler was sort of caught. Did we say something bad about Blake Wheeler, Daniel? I don't remember. Anyway, anyway. <laughs> okay. um, and Blake Wheeler wasn't amazing on the shift either, but he was sort of in a bad position. Um, ends up being a goal the other way, and in the post game, Maurice was sort of asked about you know if if. Blake Wheeler was sort of on another pedestal, like to avoid, like he's above sort of the being criticized. And Paul Maurice just went on this. I love Paul Maurice. He is a a great quote. And yeah, I feel like whenever he talks, like I believe it, right? Like he just has this air about him when there's no BS with Paul Maurice. And I don't think we we can play the audio, obviously, but um, there's a part of it where he talks of like he kind of trashes analytics and he's like, he goes on about like ignore Wheeler's, you know, his plus minuses. He's got 11, 11 points in 10 games. He's prorated wait, at 88 points. Wait a second. Oh, wait a second. They're, you're, is he arguing? Did he say plus minus is analytics? It's no, like no, the, no, it's no, the no, most. Just, oh, because I was going to say that's like the most basic analy- and analysis. And he's just like, he's like, you're beaking my captain. And <laughs> I'm offended. Now, normally, I'm cool when a coach defends his player, okay? Ugh. Like, you can see that, I understand it, and he goes about, like, he talks about Wheeler's work ethic, like, really goes to town to defend him. And normally, this wouldn't be a problem. Like, really, I think this is fine on any other day. And I mean, yeah, you know, he's giving crap to, like, really, just that thing of, you're beating my captain, I'm offended. Was, I could not stop laughing. He was fantastic. And the Jets are not off to a bad start. They're third in the division. Like, honestly, they are. They're flying? They're flying. Why not? <laughs> no, the, issue, the issue here is that, and you can, you can sort of tell that there was a bit of fuel here 
because the past couple of weeks since the Dubois line A trade, there's been a lot of criticism to the Jets and especially to Blake Wheeler. And I feel like this was definitely a part of Maurice has seen all of this. The Jets organization have gotten all of this. And, you know, Maurice was very complimentary of Patrick Line when the trade came out, by the way. But it just looks bad because of everything we've heard about Wheeler. It is becoming a story. And I, I, I think that's the last thing the Jets want. Yeah, I don't think they want this story. Like, I think it's progressively been, over time, there's been questions about the Jets' locker room, but I feel like they've just been swept under the rug or just mm-hmm. denied, right? The whole thing with the Evander Kane stuff and this track suit, and, and, and then now we're hearing it with Line again, and and I've made the argument for why Patrick Line should have been on the first line. Um, there, there's, it's just it it doesn't feel right. There's there has to be something that we're missing, and it's usually the case in a lot of things in hockey because so many things are kept quiet or under the wraps for a longer period of time. So my thing is, I think there's just, there's something missing in this entire situation. That's it. Daniel, your phone dropped earlier for your lighting. And it was really funny. And because of that, I'm offended. You're offended. Okay. Um, okay. <laughs> uh, but yeah, with Blake Wheeler, I kind of feel that how long are you going to kind of, you know, ride this in a way because he's 34. He's not going to be able to play, you know, those top line minutes all the time. Like, you know, it's kind of a given when you don't look at his cap hit, it's kind of a given where it's like a guy at that point and the amount of mileage he's had playing um, on this team, especially like, you know, those key situations when they had those playoff runs is like, there's an expectation that he's going to take a bit of a step back. And I think, what's been generated so much with this story has been what we've told we've we've talked about is just like you know that culture of it where you know are these guys favored more than the others that now he's a bit on the hot seat because you know he's a guy that has performed now but maybe he's taking a bit of a step back and I think this is going to severely affect the Jets because you know we hypothetically in two three years like you're going to have an 11 million dollar guy I think it's like eight and a half I don't think eight and a half um, including bonuses? Sorry? It, is that including bonuses, right? Oh, you mean like real, really dollar. His, yeah. his cap hit is 8.25 for four years, three more after this. Okay. Well, like that, that that's going to be pretty bad, pretty steep for them as he enters his mid 30s. And that's kind of something too, where I kind of feel like the Jets are in a situation now that they take that away. You know, they're going to have Cole Perfetti coming in, but, you know, we don't know what Pierre Luc Dubois is going to be if he's going to still generate that same type of offense. So I think they really put themselves in a situation where it's, this is going to be criticized a lot more now as he gets Blake Wheeler gets older and as his production, you know, is expected to dip because, you know, he's not a Sidney Crosby or like an Evgeny Malkin. I don't expect him to have those bounce back 90 point seasons again. He, he doesn't have any signing bonuses. And what's funny is his salary is up to $10 million next year. So they're not going to okay. trade him, but I remember I was thinking about this as well the other day. It's not the term, and it would probably be a little bit more, but he this is this is kind of Patrick Line's money, isn't it? 
I, I feel like there must have been a point in this organization where they should have looked at the future and realized, like, this Blake Wheeler contract, it kind of crippled them. Yeah. And well, from I, the day, even from the day it was signed, like, it seemed like a lot of money. I, I, do, I don't hate the money because, again, he's like a 90 point. Like, talk about underrated. Blake Wheeler's underrated. No. It's just the term is just trash. <laughs> Right. It is te- like he's gonna be 37 38 when this contract's done, yeah. Three more years after this one, mm-hmm. it, it's I, I think you're absolutely right. Like, this is th- that could be Patrick Line's money, mm-hmm. it, it, it could be. I mean, like, I think after this year, things start to open up a little bit in terms of cap for this team, like, stats need is off that six and a half. Matthew Perot is off that four million. Um, and I mean, they, do they still have to resign guys? Yeah, but I think they're in a situation where maybe they might have a little more to work with. Plus, they have Connor Hellebuck on a hell of a contract. The Bruins are eight, one, and two. As Jim we expected. As we uh, we expected. I don't want to talk about it. Oh. He's and David Pasternak is now back. He and his and his in his first four games, five goals, eight points, including a hat trick in there against the Flyers. Come back one for the Bruins in there too. Fun game to watch. I'll admit it. I was wrong. I said the Bruins would disappoint. They're not. They're good. I was wrong. I don't know why. For a second straight year, I counted on the Buffalo Sabers. They have again disappointed me. It's a weird yeah. mashup. I don't feel smart right now. I think with Boston, for me, it's just, you know, I never doubted their forwards. I just doubted their defense. Mm-hmm. Which was and, fair. Yeah. And, you know, they've been able to keep it together, which is surprising to me that these guys have been able to step up and, like, Matt Grizzlick. Or even like in a very, very sheltered role, Jakob Zaboral. This is incredible. Is it? I, I don't know. Smith? I don't know why. Like, I think you're absolutely right, Adam. I don't know why we keep counting on the Buffalo Sabres. You know who else is having a great year? Bergeron is 15 points in 11 games played, by the way. That's oh. like I don't even want to look up what Brad Marchand's doing, but I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Fifteen points. Fifty. God damn it! I hate it. They were that good, and they didn't have. They they like I think uh, Marchand may have missed a few games, and then they didn't have Pasternak. I, I hate the Bruins. Thank God they're not in this division. I hate it. I'm, I'm happy it's one year more. Bergeron's best games somehow at this age are in another division. I think like this is secretly why I want to keep the North Division. So the Bruins, maybe, are just yeah, gone. yeah, yeah. I agree. I agree. I just I can't stand it. I also can't stand what the Canucks are doing right now. I don't think anyone can. We really need to. Oh. We gotta shoot them an email and be like, "I hope you're okay." First of all, I am so <laughs> sorry. Second of all, can you please come on the show? We, have to- <laughs> we really need to. Uh. Canucks. We're gonna talk about the Canucks and the Leafs in a second. Last night on headlines, the best segment in the world, um, CJ, was it right? Yes. Reported that yes. apparently the Canucks are looking at dealing Jake for Tannen. 
Feels like they've been doing that for a while, but Why? I keep that all these since trades, like, and I'm like 2016. Yeah. I don't know if, if that's the move. I mean, how does getting rid of Jake Vertanen and with this, we let's just shift the conversation, this included. The Canucks are doomed because they cannot get better. Even if their stars start performing, which they will, obviously. Quinn Hughes is leading defenseman in scoring. And Patterson's going to stop hitting posts real soon. Yeah. I'm pretty sure he's top 10 in league points. He is one, two, sixth. He has 16 points, Quinn Hughes. Wow. Yeah. And because of their cap situation, they can't do anything. They're stuck. Here, here's Louis Erickson the, played his first game last night. I, uh, uh, like, I don't know. Yeah, I didn't notice Louis Eric. I mean, I didn't know. The only guy I noticed, other than Pedersen and Hughes, obviously, was Jalen Chatfield, and not for good reasons. Yeah. He's Let's be clear. Not for good reasons. <laughs> and it, NHL moments it, hard it, last night. it was so funny because uh, I was talking to Mike when they played their first game against Vancouver and we noticed Jill and Chatfield a couple of times and Mike's like, who the hell is Jill and Chatfield? And then last night, there is your answer that that is who he is. I guess like, I feel you're right. I feel bad for so many people on this team. I have a random thing to say and we'll go back to the Canucks. Okay. But you know how we always say CJ for Chris Johnson. Yeah. Yes. Why don't we say MJ for Mike? Oh, cause yeah, it's Mike Jags. eh? Yeah, yeah, but MJ is was, Michael was, Jordan, or Michael or Jackson, or Michael Jackson, or Michael Jackson. But like CJ, like where's CJ's like that? Or I don't know anyone else with the initials C and J off the top of my head. Curtis Joseph. Cameron Johnson, Curtis jo- Phoenix. Yeah, the, Curtis Joseph. Good, that's a good one. But they call him Cujo, which is Cameron close Johnson. enough. The Phoenix anyway, Suns. So CJ McCollum. The, the okay. Yeah. You guys talked about Brayden Holtby. Oh, God, 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 God. I know the goaltending like, has been amazing. I don't blame those guys. Especially uh, after, like, JT Miller should not play next game for his effort in that game. Like, like Brayden Holtby is one of those very, the goalies that don't show emotion. And, and when he, he does, twice. it's the most terrifying thing. Because you're like, oh, no. Apparently, Elliot was saying last night on the broadcast that, uh, Holtby doesn't tend to talk about the play in front of him very mm-hmm. often. And when he was in Washington and last night, apparently he did, which should say a hell of a lot. Like if there's a team who needs a player only meeting right now, it might be this team. Yeah. And that's nothing against Travis green. And, but I just think someone needs to regroup this team because Travis green might not be the answer at the moment. So, I want you to guess. So, the Leafs have 33 goals against Montreal, 31. 32 for the Jets. 31 for the Flames. The Oilers are at 49. The Sens are at 52. Guess how many goals against the Canucks have? I have a feeling it's more than Ottawa. Is it 55? Daniel? I'll say 61. 60. Wow. They have allowed 60 goals. For reference, the second worst team is Sens at at 52. So is that league-wide they are worst? Or is that just, oh. It's not a 7-3 games there. 
<laughs> the Blues are at 39. That's brutal. Um, a few 40 teams in the East. And even Detroit are only at 43. And again, 60 goals. That's Eight horrible. more goals allowed than the second worst team. Again, those are the Ottawa Senators. And we're 10 games, 11, 12 games in. I don't know what they're going to like. Because I'm thinking about like what are even their options? Because their taxi squad's pretty barren too. They don't have any. Is their taxi squad? Um, is it? If they actually do trade Vic for ten, I know like he's always had a lot of, not a lot of problems, but he's been in the doghouse for Travis Green for quite a bit, and I think that you have to get. It's what we said about Sam Bennett the last episode is. You have to stop thinking about what your expectations of when you first got him and kind of, you know, try to use him for what he is now. And they keep saying, oh, he's a two-way scoring guy, but I don't see that. I see, like, he's he's like a Nick Ritchie now. He's like a guy who was selected pretty high, but, you know, put him on the third line. Do you want another taxi squad? Okay. Jack Rathbone. Mm -hmm. Ole Ulevi. I guess not bad. 21-year-old Mikey DiPietro. Got to feel bad for him. Julien Brisebois. Don't know who that is. Mark Mikhailis. Rogan Rafferty. Great name. That I will give him. I have heard of you, Levy and DiPietro. I've never heard of those other guys. I, by you the know, way, I'm, go ahead. I'd honestly put Mikey DiPietro. I'd, I'd give him a few starts. Because oh, no, no, no. Point? Keep him away. Listen, listen, listen. Remember when he walked into that locker room because they were forced with injury and yeah. he got shelled? And listen, he was like 19. He, Maybe he's he, like, he wasn't NHL ready. I think we all knew that at the time. Honestly, this might be worse for him. His, his Maybe goals he's like against yearning average. to like redeem himself. <laughs> his, in the two NHL games he's played, his goals against average are 7 and 7.1. Oh, my God. But I have to tell you guys a story. Okay. Yeah. In the 2014 conference finals. Was it the conference finals? No, semifinals. A 21-year-old John Gibson came into the lineup for the Anaheim Ducks Stop. and was good. Okay. Maybe that will happen here. I, I No. No? <laughs> like, this is a – I don't know if – listen, like, <laughs> I hate to compare them to this team, but – Jordan Bennington came in. I don't think he was the sole. Re- Listen, he there's there's no. I don't think there's really an argument to be made that he was the sole reason there was a there was a comeback from this team. I think he was one of the reasons. It helps when your good players start to play good. That's always mm-hmm. helpful, right? I don't know what the solution is here, and to and the worst thing about this Jake Vertanen stuff is the fact that they were running out of time. To tie Tyler to Foley. Sorry, Jake for like I if if you had to let to not qualify Jake for Tannen so you can go sign Tyler to Foley, I do it like this. I do it in a heartbeat. Because when the Kings were good, Tyler to Foley was good. When the Kings were bad, didn't look Tyler to Foley necessarily didn't look so great. Same thing, and it that's it's a common thing. When he got traded to Vancouver, he looked damn good again. And when now this year, I mean, sure, he scored most of his goals against Vancouver, but that's besides the point. The way Tyler Toffoli has looked as a Montreal Canadian is incredible. Like, it looks back to his L.A. days when they were good. So, 
for those of you who do not know, Jim Benning, and I, I believe this was either right before or after the latest game between Montreal and Vancouver where Toffoli toe-dragged through his legs back in far side on Thatcher Demko and humiliated Jordy Ben. I heard he's still in the Bell Center looking for his jockstrap. Um, he was asked about it. He said that they had simply ran out of time to sign Tyler Toffoli who wasn't even signed the first day of free agency, by the way. And they had an extended period because he was under contract. That is one of the worst excuses. By the way, without the negotiation period as well for other teams, because they got rid of that. That is one of the most embarrassing lines I've ever heard. I'm going to do, and I'm going to go to a professor. I'm going to, you know what? I'm going to email a professor and say, sorry, I couldn't get your assignment done. Like this is top priority. One of your top priorities. And you say, ah, sorry, professor. I couldn't get your assignment done because I had to deal with my other not so important things. Sir, I got really distracted because my neighbors are screaming a lot of stuff right now. And I had a heart attack. They're probably listening to this podcast and screaming with us. it sounded like Mark Hamill laughing. I, I, my heart stopped. I was genuinely like the terrified. Joker from the animated series. Like, wow. yeah, it no. sounded like, like, yeah, it did. Wow. I was, I was ter- I don't know if they're blasting and they keep going. I keep hearing stuff. I was, I was genuinely scared for a second there. Um, the Canucks are bad. It sucks. It really does suck. Um, I feel terrible for so many people on that team. Like, what's the answer in your opinion? What What do you guys think is the answer? Uh, Speechless. That's the answer. That is a great <laughs> try anything. I think try anything. You know, empty out the taxi squad. See what fits. See what sticks. Um, I don't know. Give Braden Holby a break. You know what I mean? Like, it's just give him like a week off. Just let Thatcher Demko just take all of the shots. Like, is is this is this on Braden Holtby? Partially, I, I, everyone I, is to blame right like, now. But on that defense, you just put any like not anybody, but I mean that like, Matthews you know, goal fix anything. Like, come on, like there, yeah. there was just he was left out to try. He really was. When you break Braden Holtby who after years and years of just being humiliated by the Penguins in the second round, you've had him for like 12 games and you broke him. In 12 games, you broke Brayden Holby. He had trouble bringing his turtles across. I know. And this is how you treat him? Ashamed. You should be ashamed. He's probably regretting it. Like there's no, to me, there's, I don't know what the solution is. That's why I'm asking, like, Daniel, do you have a, do you have a solution? The guys who have been making, like what we said, JT Miller, Jake Bertanen, you know, make a statement out of it. You know, if it's not going to be a healthy scratch, put them both on the fourth line. Like, I think it's hard to say, I think it's hard to just plain out scratch them because look at the, look at the, the um, taxi squad. Like they, they don't have a taxi squad the way that Montreal and Toronto have a taxi squad. They mm-hmm. have players who can actually come in and be somewhat sufficient. They have who? They have guys that no Rathbone. one knows. The guy, guys that no one knows. I mean, it doesn't help Travis Hammonick is on the IR. It really doesn't. Like yeah. The only guy they got in the Calgary... Uh... <laughs> yeah. Like... <laughs> Like 
it's hard and and there's and like the answer is not firing Travis Green. And I I went on Canucks Twitter after last night's game because I was just having way too much fun. And I I don't think that's the guy you get rid of. Like I think he's is he I think he's a good coach. Like I I don't think that's that's up for debate here. I think he was handed he was handed a platter of like I don't know what. He like without him they do not get to uh, to against Vegas last year they really don't. I mean no no he's getting everything out of them. Where it was last year and just look at what he has right now. What was it they asked him about? What's great about he compared it to Montreal. I was like, well, they brought in a bunch of players and they used their money, and the Canucks well, don't have any hey, money. I mean, how do you fix you're it, right. Alex? I have an answer. You get a DeLorean, you get some uranium, oh, you go yes, what's it? sixty miles per hour, seventy. Um, 88 miles per hour. You go 88 miles per hour. You go back to July 1st. You slap Jim Benning and you say, stop signing these contracts. You cut his phone cord so he can't make calls. And wear the stylish Nikes to the Nike mags just, yeah. just for the added. You Listen, you you make a good uh, – Travis Green made a great point. They spent their money. So did Vancouver. They just didn't spend it wisely. No. Brandon like, Sutter. Hey, you Probably know, not even Brendan Sutter. He has a hat trick. Have some respect. <laughs> Listen, yeah, Beagle and Roussel. <laughs> like, it is th- this is very rough. Like, this is, and, and <clears throat> I think you said it last episode, Daniel, that things cannot they like you thought they hit rock bottom. And even, even Steve Dangle tweet, uh, put out a tweet saying. You know, I said this in my last video. You don't get, you don't beat up the Canucks and they come back and they don't try to at least come back. Well, how many, how many games did Montreal play against Vancouver? Two or three? Four? Three or four, yeah. So we're talking like six. Uh, the first game against Montreal, they lo- Montreal lost in overtime. So we're talking shootout. So we're at like five, four or five straight games of absolute mauling of this team. Like, I don't know for we've hit rock bottom yet. Like, I don't. <laughs> Listen, um, if the way we're talking about them, it may be like how we talked about the Sens and then they're going to come out and beat the Leafs in Montreal next time because that's how the world works. Uh, first, though, I mean, it was also a bad sign that how old is Jason Spezza? 36? 37. 37. 37-year-old Jason Spezza got a hat-trick against... Turned it back to 07. How does that happen? It was, yeah, I thought it was Danny Heatley out there. <laughs> that third goal made Thatcher Demko, oh, did not look good. You know who I... I remember when this guy was on Montreal Canadian and on the power player penalty kill, he'd take a face off and he'd get off the ice. Scored one goal... Dale Weiss was on the breakaway and gave it to him skating down the ice. But as a coach, he helped Vancouver a lot. He's done wonders for Toronto, and you can see that on the face-offs and power plays. And, oh, boy, does Manny Maltra get oh. all the credit. He is. If there was Fun, an, an award yeah. for great assistant coaches, I think Manny Maltra would be right up there. Fun fact. Yeah. He is married to Steve Nash's sister. I did not, I did not know that. Really? That's, yeah. that's interesting. Good. I, I I think you're absolutely right. Like I think Manny Maholtra. Uh, you know what? And I don't know if a lot of people would admit this, but I think I'm confident in admitting this. I'm very happy with Manny Maholtra signing, and I'm perfectly fine that the Leafs did not bring in Bruce Boudreau. Yeah, 
yeah, I'm here. I'm very confident in admitting that. Now, I mean, obviously, high, up, obviously hindsight is twenty twenty, knowing what Manny Maholtra has done so far. But I'm I'm liking what this team did. I can't explain to you the face off stuff. I saw Kevin Bieksa, I think, talk about it last night. Yeah. I, but apparently he's done wonders. Defensive special, uh, face off specialist. My, yeah. Uh, yeah, that Kevin was his Bieksa. whole thing. He was better than Bergeron that year. I remember in face off, like legit, his job was face off off the ice. Oh no, I was saying um, face off specialist Kevin Bieksa. Oh, but yeah, oh. The defenseman. <laughs> You know what? It is funny though, Daniel, because we had Harmon on the show, obviously, mm-hmm. after free agency, and he—he, he, you know what? Alex asked him about Manny Molotra, and there's been word that he's this great up-and-coming young coach. Yeah. What? I was, a th- was throwing it to you there, Dan. If you oh, sorry. I oh. thought you. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know um, that was the end of the. He sentence. is like he is a guy that um, I remember looking back on his career because I actually got to see like quite a bit of it as he kind of became a bit of a journeyman but every time he kind of went in it was like he was like the de facto captain wherever he went that i remember on san jose he, he didn't get an a when um you know back when joe thornton or patrick marlowe were one of the captains but he was always considered one of those leaders and then even in vancouver that you know he gets injured in the finals in 2011 and he's still considered like you know a voice in the locker room so i think this was something that was going to happen it was an inevitable thing that was going to happen. And I'm just, I'm happy that he came to Toronto that, and it's another thing that we said, like even not on the ice, but also behind the bench, you know, you could never have too much leadership. No. And, and just to speak on the power play, cause I know we did focus on the face-offs there for, for a little, but I think this power play looks completely different than what they had the last couple of years. Um, and nothing against Paul McFarland. Like he got he that second that power play unit in Florida that one year was very good, right? I think it it uh, it ended second in the league. But the way that this power play looks is very different than the way he had it. Paul McFarland had it had it looking, and it's there's a lot more flow in it. And obviously, we've had the discussion about it. Ha- you know take it with a grain of salt because it's a Canadian division, but even like, I'm interested to see how the power play looks against Montreal, because I think that first game against Montreal was a little sloppy from the Leafs, but so far it's looked, it looked like it's flowed much better. It's not, it's not the same guys in the same position. Like I saw Matthews last night, not directly in front of Holtby, but just out there, like in front, some in front of the net somewhat, like he's not always on the side. He's not always on the right side or the, like he's they're switching spots. And I think that's the one thing fans asked for last year. And this year, Manny Maholtra has done absolute wonders with this power play. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing on the Leafs page is obviously Sam Bennett. Finally scored last night, um, being on the top line in the Battle of Alberta game. Even though it was really funny, he was there was a play where Tyson Barry kept like a good defensive play by Barry. What? Um, Bennett couldn't score. I'm shocked. You know, okay, you know what? Yeah, you know, I want to say this right now. And no one said a bad thing about Tyson Barry's entire time in Colorado. Then he got to Toronto, <laughs> and his reputation is never going to be the same. I feel yeah. so bad for. Him. No, like, but I okay. But wait a second. But like, wait. 
<laughs> way to say, okay, last year I was 100% way too harsh on him. I, I, I admitted that. I admitted that. But even people in Colorado say his defensive abilities were not that great. He got traded to Toronto. It didn't help. Remember on day one of when he signed in Edmonton, he said, well, you know, the media is really tough. You signed in Edmonton. You like, let's remember that. Right. He knows. He knows. He knows what he signed up for. He he made this plan like Bennett couldn't get one and it went the other way and the Oilers scored. Yeah, this is it was poetry in motion. Thank God Bennett ended up scoring, and then there another play in, in Calgary one, and just Koskinen could could not stop a thing in the third period. Story of the Oilers. Um, they're not going to trade Nylander for Bennett. Oh my At least God! They're not Why going to trade for Bennett. Do that. Was, I saw a tweet that Alex liked. I don't remember who it was from, but it was the Leafs don't need another third line player. No, like they don't. I'm not comfortable with them giving up an asset for Sam Bennett. And I'll tell like what this team, what Keith has done with this team, which is different than what Mike Babcock did is he's willing to try different things with Babcock with, even in this situation, even through injuries, he picks one or two guys now with Simmons out three guys. Those are the guys that are plugging. You're going to plug in. I am not, he's not going to change that. With Keith, he brought in Engvall, he brought in Boyd, he brought in uh, Patan, he's brought in Joey Anderson. Like he's willing to try these guys that we didn't necessarily think we were going to see a whole lot of this summer, of this, sorry, summer, this season. And some of them have impressed. Like Travis Boyd has not looked awful. Engvall has actually looked, in my opinion, better than after he signed that contract Patan hasn't like has looked decent like I have people texting me who don't like who are into hockey who don't know the ins and outs have said man Patan does not look awful on the ice which says something to me if you're Toronto you want a sure guy for your death role the thing with Bennett is just hey you flip a coin to see what you're going to get every night with Sam Bennett and I just don't I don't, I don't, I don't see the fit. I don't I really see don't. the fit either. Like he I think, anything. I, I think we saw that report that L- the Leafs are looking for forwards, and I think we blew. Not we, the three of us. I think the fan, the Leaf fans, have kind of blew it out of proportion, saying, "Oh, they're going to look at this guy. They're going to look at this guy." Like I can see them going after a forward, but I don't necessarily see it, uh, Sam Bennett, because I think he's an like I think they're looking at a guy like let's say Tyler Ennis, someone who can who's fine not playing every single night. It's just a matter of depth. But I have a feeling Kyle Dubis might rethink that idea. I mean, listen, he's always going to be out looking here or there where to improve. But I think the depth that that the guys have shown on this team might have changed Dubis's perception of what they actually need. Mm-hmm. I agree because a lot of that depth, I think that it's been slotting in and it's been just so effective. Like we also like have Adam Brooks in there where, you know, I've always been a huge fan of him. And I think yeah. that great name, you know, yes. Uh, perfect fit. I think so far. And thing with Sam Bennett, I remember Kevin Bieksa and he's a guy that maybe referring to like crazy this episode, but he's a guy that also like, you know, he had a 
great point yesterday. It's like, hey, do you want like referring to Sam Bennett? You want to get traded? Then be tradable. Yes. This is a guy that I, I I think that we talked about his draft integrity or you know something about Brad traveling not really wanting to take a loss, but. I personally believe the way he's played and what he's developed into, they've already taken a loss on that fourth overall pick that maybe they're going to do something with it, but he's someone that based on how he's kind of carried himself, I wouldn't want him in Toronto. And second, I, I, I just, it's like what we said. I don't know what is Sam Bennett, what he's going to kind of give you because like, if he's just going to be that bottom six guy and, he's you know he's gonna have a bit more of that grit to it then i don't think he's really worth the shot unless it's like an incredible price for the leafs what do you mean by you by the way he handles himself he doesn't accept a role yeah he doesn't know what his role is and he okay like if i was him i wouldn't demand a trade after i put up 12 points last year or that's until fair. last night had a single assist all season. Yeah. And it was like a oh, no, minus three going into the game. No. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. No, I'm just, just curious. It just, it's just that kind of thing where, you know, it's like, it's like the Jack Roslovic thing, but I would actually pick Jack Roslovic over Sam Bennett. So would I. So would Our I. Safety, by the way. Radim Samek has been five, fined $5,000. For spearing Anaheim's Adam Henrique. Didn't wow, they did. Thing. They did something. Sorry, yeah. did you just say the play Department of Player Safety did something? This is a yeah. huge announcement. Yeah, like, we they need to have a party about Tyler Myers or Dylan Dubé, and they're not going to do anything about Eric Branson either. But um, before we get to Montreal, I guess we should talk about the Senators, and I'd like to apologize to the Senators. I remember the day leading up to that game, I listened to our podcast. I listened to Steve Dangle, Hockey Central, and everyone was just ripping the sends. And then what did they freaking do? See, there are three teams that I will never underestimate in this league. The Leafs, because the Bruins, and the Sens, because, listen, I don't give a damn about rosters, about the analytics, the eye test, when these teams play each other. Because there is just some sort of witchcraft that brings them all to an equal level playing field. Sure. It doesn't matter how good or bad Montreal are when they play the Leafs, the Bruins, or or or, or the Sens, and it's vice versa. And yeah. the Sens, god damn it, they steal one of the games. Luckily, Montreal won the second game. I don't just oh my god, it's just and Matt Murray had his best game of the season making big i could not stand it i'm sorry i called you cam more but it was like he's a civ Maybe it's why you sorry yeah i don't patrick laleem it's like what is this patrick laleem was good for that one year he had a cool goalie mask though you, listen there aren't a lot of great senators goalies and i didn't think of craig anderson off the top of my head okay hey, don't forget about year. robin leonard no, it doesn't he, count. oh he doesn't he was a sen? Yeah, for one year. Ben <laughs> Bishop? Count. Ben Bishop? Ben Bishop? Doesn't Does he count? Doesn't he count? No, he doesn't count. Joey um, Decord? I'm just joking. I'm just joking. Their best goalie? But I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry, Matt Murray. Um, There was I'm something not. on headlines last night. Elliot Friedman saying, apparently the Derek Stefan trade is nothing to do with his play. Apparently it's a personal thing. And uh, something I think we, we kind of forget. Yeah, I realize. Imagine you're traveling and the season's been going uh, nearly a month now, a few days away from that. 
if you're a shark, for example, you haven't been home in how long? And these players are, first of all, I doubt Derek Stefan wants to get traded. <laughs> um, but, you know, the guys are away from their family, and this isn't easy. So apparently, I, I don't know if there was a, Friedman didn't say it was a particular request of a trade, um, but, it, but apparently it is a family thing. So sorry, Ottawa. <laughs> I know we also ripped them on that. Well, but. wait a second, but I, I, I think you can still put a little bit of blame on Ottawa. I don't think there's any blame to go on on Derek Stepan, but I, it's I find it hard to believe that you're not in contact with this guy's agent, knowing that Derek Stepan's on the block, right? We knew Derek Stepan was on the block. Don't you reach out to his agent and say, "Hey, would you would your client play here?" Yeah, but he. Uh... Is it beyond the realm of belief that this is a recent thing? I, that, that's the thing. We don't know. It, that, you're yeah. absolutely right. Like, that's the thing. If it's a recent thing, then no, there's no blame to go around to anybody. But if this is a thing from the start, then we're having a different discussion about Ottawa. Elliot, get the details. We need them. And then, and then come on the show. And, yeah, I know. And uh, announce them. The show. Yeah. 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 Bring Jeff with you, too. Animal, why not? Why yeah. Not? I helped you guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember him? Do you remember? Do you remember? Do you remember? Might be shoes, I hate the Suns. I hate the Suns. And you know what? They're Playing the Suns again, I was like, Jesus Christ. I forgot that the Kachucks are both in this division. And it sucks. I can't wait for the American team next year and you put the Kachucks on the same line. It's like, God, back oh, off. I, I don't remember whose uh, projected lineup it was, but it was Kachuk, or both Kachuks on the wings, obviously, and then Jack Hughes down the middle. Uh-huh. Can we can we talk about by the fact that the Americans are not as good as Canada? Because no offense, um, Matthews and Eichel are not McKinnon, Crosby, McDavid. No. Like, can we just put a cap on people saying that the American? No, they don't. No, they no. don't. Stop no. it. No. No. No, that John Carlson's a great defenseman. No. He's not Petrangelo. Or Bowen Byron. No. I think I had Bowen Byron on my Olympic uh, prediction. I think you did. Did you? I, I did have. because I said he was going to pull a 2010 Drew Doughty. <laughs> okay. Um, I'll talk about a guy who <sighs> honestly, P.M. LeBron's been talking about this, and I agree with him. A guy who really, I would not be surprised if, if this guy makes the American defense. It won't be easy because there's there's Jones and Carlson on that right. John Carlson, obviously, on the right side. Jeff Petrie. And I hate that he plays the way he does in a Canadian market. When for three years, I tuned into the Hockey Central and every damn day or the Steve Dangle podcast. The Leafs need this right-handed defense every day. But like, and the attention on, on the defense in, in Winnipeg and like the Sens and they're just trash and all the drama on Eric Carlson, how nobody just looked and was like, where's the credit for Jeff Petrie? Like seriously, he's taken Weber's top spot on the power play. When Romanov was scratched and they had to move around the power play, you know who got kicked off the first unit? Was Shea goddamn Weber. Jeff Petrie is like leading goal scoring defenseman right now. Is he in the Norris conversation? 
I, okay, I think he'll get. I think he deserves votes. He's not mm-hmm. gonna win it. He shouldn't win it. Like he's not. Like I saw somebody saying, all they said was he should. You know, for Norris Petrie, you can have a campaign. And then the Canucks fan got immediately completely <laughs> offended. He was like, "Well, Jack, you know, Quentin Hughes. And we're not saying he's better than Quentin Hughes, but just mm-hmm. calm the hell down." I think he deserves to get some votes. Like, yeah. if you put him fifth on your ballot, I think he deserves it. I just I can't believe no one's talking about this guy because he is just boy, especially just everything. Every Canadian team there's a there's a conversation with defense. It just feels like it feels like Montreal's right side never gets to the respect as it, it deserves. I was talking with Alex before the show about this. No one's respecting Ovechkin enough. On a much lower, a lot lower scale, Jeff Petrie needs some goddamn respect. We respect right? him on this show. I'm pretty sure we had a discussion uh, either on or off the show about the Leafs and Jeff Petrie. And then I'm like, yeah, that's just not going to happen. Not because Jeff Petrie's not because Jeff Petrie, the player, but because Montreal and Toronto, like it would be, it'd be a bloodbath. If he left and signed in Toronto, I don't know what to do. Just be like, God damn it. That would be, um, that'd be. I I still look back on what, the, the Habs gave away in the first place to the Oilers for it. Nothing? It was just, it practically nothing? Yeah, it was practically. It was, who was the think, GM? Who, who was the GM? Uh, was it Greg McTavish? <laughs> That's a good question. Of course. Um, I remember that, that 20... one of those seconds became like Cam Talbot. Like they traded it to New York for Cam Talbot. Hold on a minute. 2015 Oilers GM. Because I think that hilarious. was the 15 deadline. Oh, the Oilers GM, the Edmonton Oilers. Oh, oh, oh my! Was it um, Peter? This, 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 the GM of the Oilers for the 15-16 season was Peter Shirelli. Oh, okay. what a surprise! There it is. Anyway, what a no. surprise! My apologies, Sorry, let's yeah. Jeff Petrie, respect yes. him. Good God guy. damn major, it! Major respect. I love him. I love him. And so we how many conversations did we have on this podcast about trading Petrie into <laughs> But because like Montreal was in a different situation, obviously. Like, now he's in the right situation. Well, because Bergevin's <laughs> saying, and I was agreeing with him here, yeah. that they expect it to be good this year. Yes. And Tatar and Petrie were going to help with that. Like, I don't think and you... Yeah, sorry, and again, who do you replace him with? You can't. Like, he's, oh, you can't replace Jeff Petrie's like that. No. The Oilers have been trying to do that for years and they can't. Yeah. I I think, you know, with the moves that Bergevin made, I don't necessarily think you look at this team and say, oh yeah, you know, they're just they're just there. I, I still right? can't like, believe how many people were so surprised that the Canadians are doing well, by the way. I cannot well, believe it. Uh, here's the thing. Here, here, here's the thing is I wasn't I wasn't skeptical. I was just I was interested to see how the team would look on the ice because I think it's great that like, and, and it happens a lot in, in other sports too, where you, a, a team brings in a bunch of new guys and it doesn't necessarily work, work on the field, on the ice, wherever. I think if you look at the names that they brought, brought in, I think there's an argument to be made. They had one of the, like they had the best off season in the league on paper. But what check do they look? Our tier list episode. Right. Yeah. Go check that out. I I just think it's hard to make. Like that's why. Like I think it's hard to even to say. Okay. Who's 
like it's the awards. Like I don't know what they're going to look like on the ice. Like we do it because it's fun, but it's like, I don't know who's going to win the Vesna. I'm just taking guesses based on the team in front of them. Mm-hmm. So I, just, I think that's where the skepticism came. I, I felt the same way too, that, you know, there's a lot of moving pieces there. We didn't really know how things were going to go, but you know, Montreal's been able to do it. And again, like from a lot of successful teams that have been, ha- that have been, able to do it they didn't give away any prospect capital they didn't give away you know really any draft picks and they've been able to kind of still make this team into what it is now what was Allen like a fourth yeah yeah and look how good he's been like he was the reason they beat Ottawa in that second game by the way he's been better than Carey Price honestly Jake Allen has been the better goalie and I'm guessing this question in the doc is from the Rachel Dory tweet she tweeted out this thing of like, apparently Carey Price's high danger save percentage is like 960. I was like, excuse me? Huh. Oh, Like what? Because yeah. <laughs> he hasn't been great. And then she talked about, I think it was the shooting percentage being over of like Anderson and, um, and to Foley because they're above like 10% above their normal one, right? Yeah, I, I saw that. It wasn't the reason I wrote the question down. It was just, I was, I was curious, but like... I, and I, I'm just being skeptical to be skeptical. I don't necessarily think there's going to be major regression mm-hmm. because I think looking at the guys in general that, that are on this team and the way they've, they've gelled and, and just the way they've looked so far, it's not like they're just going to be bleh. Mm-hmm. I don't know another word to use. <laughs> so the full question for those oh, yeah. of you who cannot see the doc, which I don't, and no one can except the three of us, and sometimes Mike, maybe Harmon if he has the link. I don't, I don't know. know. Um, the Habs, five people there. What? We see like five or six people like yeah. on the doc. So the question you, you posed on the doc, Alex, was um, question colon the Habs <laughs> look really good, comma any fear of major slash minor regression? Plus, is the team still dependent on everyone, comma like last year? Question mark hyphen Alex. Um, first off, still dependent on everyone. Like, what do you mean by that part? Well, remember last year, the whole thing was like you had, to, if one guy or for a couple guys weren't rolling, it kind of, the, the, the cookie crumbled. Basically, if the Dino line wasn't doing anything, they were screwed. Yeah. Right. Like, are you worried that if one line stops producing, it, it kind of ruins not ruins the rest of the team but slows things down because it's like last year it was a lot of you don't have one i would argue that you don't have you have stars right you have a couple stars but you don't have one blatant guy that does everything you have a lot of game breaker right like you have a lot of guys who are game changers but not like elite elite like top top tier well so comparing it to last year okay so let's say yeah um and the no line is shut down gallagher tuna can't do anything um the the reason where there's a bit more faith for me in this team is well to start the season that gallagher line wasn't great and it was anderson and the Toffoli lines that look great, plus the fourth line scoring those shorthanded goals right. what have you seen last game or the loss against the sens Suzuki had his easily his worst game of the season. That line wasn't fantastic. But then all of a sudden, the Tatar, Dano, Gallagher line started looking like the molds, like their old selves, right? 
It's exactly sort of what you expect from the team is, is in, you know, just how they are seriously the textbook definition of a four-line team is whenever guys have been down, the other lines are picking up the slack, which is exactly the sort of is what you expect from the Canadians. Um, now, like, I obviously don't expect guys like Anderson and Toffoli to continue to shoot 20%. At the same time, the reason I think their percentages are that high is like, it's not like Josh Anderson is just getting weak goals. The guy is literally go, his goal against Matt Murray was the third chance on the guy. And it's, right. he's literally the guy who goes to the net and he gets the good chances, right? And Toffoli is scoring so much because he has a hate boner for the Canucks and their defense sucks. It's going to even out as they play more games against the Leafs and they go against the Jets and the, you know, the Flames have been a bit more. So right now, I'm still confident. Is there going to be some regression? They're not going to average scoring 4.5 goals a game. That's just that's not sustainable. The save percentage thing, I was like, okay. That's obviously, I think like the average for high danger save percentage is like 8-something. And I was like, okay, that is a concern. Though I'm like, but Carey Price's save percentage right now is still pretty. I wanted to see Allen's stats because that's one that I think is going to be very telling. By the way, Jake Allen has already matched the point percentages of Carey Price's backup from last year. <sighs> and we've just started the year. Um, so I think we're going to get, there's still a lot to see about this team. Right. Um, but we're, again, they haven't played the Jets yet, which is really weird, by the way. Um, mm. I'm seeing, we'll get a crystal clear. You can tell the identity, but we'll see how they're, they're going to match up against the better teams when we get more than one game against the Toronto Maple Leafs and all the rust is off. Once they get yeah. to see the Jets and their elite talent um, is when we'll really, really, really see what the team is made of. Yeah, like I think this week, because the Leafs play Montreal Wednesday and Saturday, I think this week's going to be a really telling week for both teams. Mm-hmm. Um, but you brought up, like, I think you put it perfectly the way the Canadians look this year is that if one line's off, others will pick up the slack. And I think that's what the issue was last year. I feel like every time we had a discussion about the Canadians, it was, well, if one line's not, if one line's not going, no one else is picking up their slack. Mm -hmm. And if someone goes down, it's a catastrophe. Like that's what it was like last year. So if what you're saying is true, then I don't necessarily think there's that worry anymore. All I think is the lines are all stuffed now, in a way. They're all set. I think that what we said last time is, well, really we said last year was, it, it, they didn't have that, you know, that that spunk in every line that, you know, you had these guys here and there that, you know, we, we, we'll plug them in, but now you don't have that. You don't have to rely so much on the other guys that there are guys that are really picking up the slack here and there. Right. And now we have Habs legend Corey Perry. Yes. Who's just who's bridging the friendship on this show. I love it. There is this picture of it's like it was it was Alan and Perry celebrating. I was like, what is this? Am right. I is this real? Am I dreaming? <laughs> What's going on here? That's supposed to be like Price and Gallagher. I'm so confused. Weird, weird team. Weird, well, Corey Perry go to the Leafs next year though, to finally bridge everything on this show. How about you let me enjoy him? All right, we're still talking about like getting the discount jersey already for him. Uh, it's gonna be different. Ninety four, such a weird number though. I like yeah, it's ninety four. Who wears ninety four? Should search that. That's a good question. 
Someone definitely wears 94. I've definitely, I feel like I remember seeing someone wear 94. I just couldn't tell you who it was. I'm, I'm seeing like, I, I don't know. Oh, Jeremy Roenick, I think. That is. Who Ah, okay. Well, Roenick, Roenick's, Roenick's a bad person, though. Yeah. I, yeah, but he still wore 94. If that's, if, that's <laughs> the, if the question is who wore 94, there's our answer. Nice. Oh, um, 94. Um, Ryan Smith? That's not who I was thinking of. But um, you know, I never liked Ryan Smith. Smith. What? I never liked Ryan Smith. Why not? Um, this is very... Uh, okay, so this was 2006 of the conference finals. Uh, mm-hmm. This was, again, the last Mighty Ducks team. And, uh, like, I don't know, he just kept crashing the crease on Jaguar, and then uh, Jaguar got mad and put his glove on his face and just threw him down. And then he gets a penalty for that. Oh, I know who wore 2094. Tyson Berry on the Leafs. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm like, where, <laughs> where have I seen this number? It's, like, sitting right in front of me. By the way, Ronick was 27. Oh. At least in his heyday, when he was a shark and he was um, he was when he was a Blackhawk man. He was ninety. He was uh, uh, Sam Sam Gerard wore ninety four when he played in Nashville. Oh, I always forget he was a predator. Remember when they gave him up <laughs> for Cal uh, Silly, silly, silly. How the hell did they end up giving that much up in that trade? I, I don't know. know. It makes zero sense because they were going all in, guys. Remember on who? No, they were going all in because they were still thinking they could get back to the finals. Oh, yeah. I think good, at the, the time, good old days. Was that they got their centerman? Now it's like, oh no, they still need a centerman. <laughs> oh, now I know why they paid so much for Cal Turret. Sorry, I'm holding a sharpie. Um, this is why. Hold more things than yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was 2017, and Ryan Johansson broke his leg against the Ducks, and then they went into the finals with like yes. without a true like guy they could put on the first line. I'm not going to call Ryan Johansson a first line center. But yeah, that ended up happening. They got they traded for tourists, but remember, they also overpaid Bonino. Yes. You think you can hold things, Daniel? <laughs> Please check out the YouTube things. for this visual component of Adam's so stuff. I'm holding multiple things. Holding his cup upside down and just dripped on my leg. God damn it. Okay. I think that's everything, right? Is it from the beaker? No, no, it's my um, it's my lion's mug. This okay. is the tattoo of Escanor, the lion's sin of pride from the seven deadly sins. You know who else wore 94? Who did? Alexander Barabanov. Oh. Sergei Barazin. Least legend. A, a Russian somewhere. Yannick Perot. Yeah. Least legend. Tom Pyatt. All right, all right. <laughs> Brendan Shanahan. Thank you for with an asterisk. To, okay, so that's a good one. Um, okay, well, thank you for everyone who tuned into the show today. We really appreciate it. If you're checking in on the podcast app for iOS, be sure to give us a five-star rating and a review. We would love to see it. Follow the show on Twitter, on Instagram. Check out the YouTube portion of the show for a video experience. You'd love to see it. Thank you to Voice Ed, as always, for being a fantastic platform for the show. Check out Alex's blog, Daniel's work for the Hockey Riders. As well as for the eye opener, check out my YouTube channel and our own personal social medias as well. I believe that is everything. And don't forget Derek Bugard or 94, the last season he played with the Rangers. And
and we will see you Wednesday when we preview game two between the Montreal Canadiens and the Toronto Maple Leafs. Goodbye. Mm-hmm.